Hi friend, my name is Amy Joy and this is the Make Prayer Beautiful podcast. One of the things that I do on Sundays when I'm not able to make it to church is go through a couple of the lectures found in Rabbi Lappin's program, Scrolling Through Scripture. And I love this because as a Jewish rabbi, he pulls out details from the Hebrew that I wouldn't have had any way of knowing. And so I was recently listening to a story or a lecture on the two trees in the Garden of Eden. And he talked about how the tree of life we recognize actually from later in the scriptures. I think it's Proverbs 3.18 where it says that she is a tree of life. And when you read back a few verses, it's wisdom. But he said wisdom is actually here. And he touched his um, his Hebrew Bible, his Old Testament. This is wisdom. We actually have not lost it. It still is available to us. And then he said, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And this, again, I, I'm assuming this is ancient Jewish wisdom that's been passed down. Um, I don't know how else you would come to this understanding. But he said that that tree, uh, before uh, Eve ate the fruit, that the evil and the good were clearly separated. But once Eve ate, that became all mixed together. And so he said, sometimes people will come to him and say, I just want to do good in the world. And he's like, actually, please don't. Because most of the people, even the people who have done tremendous harm, often think that they're doing good. And he said, you know, even Hitler probably at the beginning thought he was making the world a better place. And same thing with Mao, same thing with Lenin, same thing with Stalin. If you read their writings, you know, even though they're killing millions of their own people, it's like, no, no, we're making the world a better place. And he said, that's really the way it is in most things. It's actually, it can be difficult to even know how do you do good without also doing harm. For example, in the realm of charity, how do you he gave the example of uh, American missions organizations that will give donations of, say, used shoes or clothes to different villages in Africa. And the Africans are like, please, can you stop? Because this is destroying our own cobbler's ability. Like, <laughs> nobody can actually compete with free. Free always wins until the free doesn't come anymore. But then the cobbler is out of business and there is no, then there's, everybody is worse off than they were before. This is not because anybody is bad in that scenario. It's just that doing good and doing evil are mixed at this point. So very interesting interpretation. But what I especially appreciated was he said, we usually tend to think of the cherubim, although he used the um, the Hebrew way of pronouncing it, um, as standing at the gate of the Garden of Eden as a way of blocking the people from returning. And he said, but what they're actually doing is holding the way open. If you have ever gone into a wilderness, <laughs> and I know for me it was a shock moving from Colorado where there is maybe 10 inches of rain a year, very dry location where very little just kind of naturally grows. Moving to Virginia, where it feels like we are in a constant battle with the wilderness. <laughs> if you don't mow for a couple of years, there are trees that are taller than your head. And it's really astonishing even how quickly uh, our both our mowers were in the shop for a couple of 
months this summer. And (laughs) some of the grasses, I mean, they were waist high or more for me. It was astonishing. And so he said, it takes a lot of effort to try to keep a way open. And so when you have these these flaming swords, they're, they're holding the way open to the tree of life. And then he said, the only other time, as I understand it, that these beings show up maybe in the Torah is when Moses is creating the mercy seat, the, uh, the top of the Ark of the Covenant. You have cherubim there who are over the Ten Commandments. So they also are there holding that way open for us to access still the tree of life. So I thought that was just a lovely kind of complete reversal from probably anything that I had ever heard uh, or thought about growing up. So the idea of this way is still open for us, that we actually get to come and partake of the tree of life every day when we read the scriptures. That's precious. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. So Lord, whether that's exactly the right interpretation or whether there is some, some soft spots in there, thank you that your word is so rich that it allows for varying interpretations. Thank you that whether it's literally, you know, the exact tree of life or, uh, kind of conceptually or whatever the word would be that, We thank you that we do actually have your word and that it is a tree of life that springs up in us as we meditate on it, as we seek to live by it. And so, Lord, I'm asking that we would treasure it even more than we already do. (laughs) I think when I heard Rabbi Lappin talk about that, I thought, oh, I would love, I love this interpretation. I love this idea that the tree of life is still available So thank you, Lord, for all of the ways that you give us life. Yeah, we love you, Lord. Amen.